Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you know what that means. You are listening to the Mystery of Parenthood. Welcome aboard, and um, we're going to start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, Grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. You have uh, got Trey cashing here. I know that Dennis is on the... Uh, on the board and everything, he's welcome to join, but not necessary. But I always only if you uh, are in desperate need. <laughs> no, all right, no, well, I'm here. Uh, yeah, but anyway, glad to have you here, Trey. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And y- y'all keep uh, our family prayers. You know, transition schools and um, mother-in-law has been actually been feeling a little sick, and so Steph's having to. Um, Make sure doctors and prescriptions and all that kind of stuff are being done. So um, keep her and us in your prayers, and um, we thank that. We'll pray for you as well. So anyway, hey, just keeping going. This, um, again, years ago, I can't believe it's been 16 years ago almost, we we did, um, Stephanie and I did a, uh, a deal at St. Thomas Aquinas for parents and um and i've been going back looking at it and and i think that uh it's worth um it's worth revisiting and so so we're going to go through this one this title is it's called the parents mandate evangelization and uh liturgy and it's really important to um remember that the purpose of of this show is to make the link between the visible and the invisible, but also to provide some practical uh, ideas for you as parents. And so in in looking back over this, I think there's some, there's some stuff that I still could use. So even though I've got 20 year olds at home now. So anyway, um, this is called the parents mandate and it's, it's regarding, um, evangelization and liturgy, as I mentioned. And so just real quickly, again, visible and the invisible is always, we're going to start here that there's visible signs of invisible realities and that those visible signs are always meant to be directed toward and subordinated to the individual, the invisible. So the human to the divine action to contemplation and the present city where we are, find ourselves now to heaven and Kind of going back through, I always have to remind this because John Paul II was bold enough to say, um, on uh, regarding the Christian faith, that is the only fully valid response, uh, not not a valid response, but the only fully valid response to the problems and hopes that we have in and for our families. And so, understanding what God's revealed, we talked about at some length last time, but. Um, we need to remember that 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 inv- those invisible realities are are and how God's revealed Himself are the kind of guideposts or the compass, uh, the north star, so to speak, of of our actions. And then, um, I guess another one that's really important to remember, which 
we talked about last week, but I'll do it again, and it kind of brings back the mystery of parenthood, the sacramental sense of what it means to be a parent. We make the spiritual and the divine visible through the body and it alone. Again, that comes from John Paul II's theology of the body, that it is our body and it alone that has been given the ability to uh, make the spiritual and the divine visible. That's why, I mean, if you think about just Christ himself, I mean, Christ is sitting at the right hand of, of the Father as we, you know, as we speak, but he, as he tells St. Paul um, prior to his conversion or right at his conversion, why are you persecuting me? It's he likens himself or, or, or identifies himself. Jesus identifies himself with people who, from a purely human standpoint, you would say, well, that's not Jesus. But he he's, he identifies himself with that. So the way we take care of them. In fact, in Matthew 25, that's the, that's the basis of the last judgment is when you fed me, when you fed the least of these, you fed me. When you, when you gave to drink to the least of these, you gave me something to drink and vice versa that when we don't see that. And so we take Jesus at his word that, and and notice that, you know, that, that the body the person who's doing the feeding, who went and got the food or went and got the drink, is having to bring it to some other person who doesn't look like Jesus. Um, but Jesus identifies with them, says, "I that is me. And, and when Paul is persecuting the church, kind of previous to this story in the gospel, I mean, after the story in the gospel, after Jesus has risen from the dead and Paul's or Saul's persecuting the church, he doesn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? He doesn't say, why are you persecuting these friends of mine? He says, why are you persecuting me? And so we take seriously the fact that the, that the body of the, ours and how we live that out and the people we come in contact are meant to be outward signs of actually the invisible because he doesn't, you know, those people don't look like Jesus. They don't sound like Jesus, but they are, through the eyes of faith, him in terms of how we deal with them. And that's how we're going to be judged. So our bodies and the bodies of those people we come in contact with are where that happens. That's where faith is played out concretely in real life. So I think that's what that's what um, John Paul's trying to get at. And then the next thing is we do need to realize that all um, – we need to be able to realize all that we hope for in the families that we need truth and grace and a proper disposition towards God's truth and grace and for us to freely respond to that. So we can, we can say no to God's truth and we can say no to God's grace if we want to. In this life, that no's called a sin and in the next, it's called hell. Uh, and And so it's very important to try to cu- cultivate an understanding of truth. We need to know... Um, that the un, the uh, the invisible, we need to know what it is before we can make it visible. And that, that is, we need to know what the truth is about who we are, about who God is, about who the person across from us is, about what the situation in front of us is through the eyes of faith. Because there's some practical considerations, like you've got to do certain things at your job. You've got to do certain things in your family. But we always have to have a Catholic perspective, the eyes of faith, to recognize that as we serve our wife or as we serve our children or as we serve our spouse for that, that, that we're actually serving Jesus. We need to have that. When we offend our, <laughs> our wife and we offend our children, we are offending Jesus. I mean, we need to extend it to that. We don't need to over-spiritualize. But at the same time, we, we, we tend to like to put things in, you know, boxes. We like to make, okay, I go to church. That's where I see Jesus and I come home. And no, that's Catholic perspective is actually all of that coming together. So um, we need to recognize that truth. And then we need the grace, which again, is I I just, I always want to re-echo this. Grace certainly is God's unmerited gift of himself to us. 
and that's a that's a great understanding of it. But it's it's actually effective in accomplishing what it's meant to accomplish. So I mean, grace actually elevates our nature. So it allows Trey Cashin to the extent that he acknowledges his failings and goes to confession and confesses his sins and is really attempting to try to change, to change, not because I'm willing it by myself, not because I've just got great willpower, but because God um, provides the grace for me to become what he wants me to become, which is an outward sign as, as a father, as a husband of his only begotten son. He wants me to be that. And I fail all the time at that, but we need God's grace to do that. And we talked a little bit about that, that, you know, grace is something that we can go. The sacraments are places we are guaranteed to be put in the way of grace, so to speak. I mean, going to mass, certainly on Sundays and maybe other times during the week and being in an active conscious participant in the holy sacrifice of the mass Grace is made available because Jesus himself, body, blood, and soul, and divinity is made available to us. Going to confession and recognizing that the priest, in the priest, he's in the persona of Christ, he's in the person of Christ, he is Jesus to me, and when he absolves me of those sins, that that's, and so I free myself of those things that are standing in the way through that and then receive the grace to overcome those sins that I've been committing those ways that I've fallen short. And so it's an ongoing struggle, but it's one that we can be certain that God will provide us the grace that we need to do that. And so he's there, obviously scripture, reading scripture, being in good married couples groups or having a good group of accountability partners that you can talk through things you're struggling with and be honest and, and get honest, straightforward answers. Those are all ways that God's grace comes to us. Marriage is a sacrament. And so in trying to live out the fact that we're meant to be a husband and wife that are um, me, in my particular case, as a, as a husband, I'm meant to be and love my spouse and, and, and our children like Christ loves his church. And that the spouse, my, my wife is meant to be like the church and love her spouse and that we have children that we that we are meant to draw that, that come from us, but then are meant to be drawn back to the relationship that we signify, back to God and His church and that. And so, again, those are all kind of they may be lofty, um, but I can't overemphasize the fact that I think that we are losing or have lost and we need to regain the sacramental way of looking at marriage and at life and recognizing that that happens right there in the family. And so when I fail as a husband, I need to admit it, ask for forgiveness, go to confession, but also trust that the grace of the sacrament itself of the sacrament of matrimony, that the grace of marriage is there to help transform me, to help transform my wife, to help transform our family, to become a better outward sign of the church, of Jesus, of the family of God. And that's the ongoing struggle that we all are in. But we can be guaranteed in faith that no matter what the circumstance is, that God will provide the grace to us. We have to trust that. And then we just have to keep moving forward. We keep moving forward and trying to change, admitting when we fail. You know, I, I've told the story before, but I think it begs, you know, after the triplets were born and we had six, basically from about six and a half to two months, um, that that I remember walking out the door, Stephanie and I are kind of in an argument, things are not going so well, and 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 she just looked at me and said, we can't handle this. It's too big for us. And... And um, and I said, you know, Steph, you know, as I would normally say, the theologian, the way I'm talking right now, you <laughs> you understand what I said was, um, well, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. And, you know, being the good Cajun woman, she, you know, got really quiet, which always scares the heck out of me because normally she'll just come out. And she said, and she said, well, well, then we're not handling it. And I think that's the way that we have to look at it. 
you have to always remind yourself that whatever situation you find yourself in, it's a situation that God certainly knew was going to happen wherever you are in your marriage and your family and your parenting, whatever. He's not surprised by wherever you find yourself. And you do have to have somebody or together have to come up with, with understanding that he hasn't, he will not give you something that you cannot handle, but you also have to have the flip side. And this is a great Catholic moment in our, in our family that there is something for us to do that we actually have to do something. It's not just, Hey, God help us. It, it is that certainly <laughs> call upon the grace of marriage, but then you have to go and do something. You have to work at handling it, trusting that God's going to give you the grace to handle that, which you're not, well, well you're, you're certain that you by yourself cannot handle. And so that's where grace comes in. And so we can look back and, you know, nobody, none of the children are dead. They're not maimed. <laughs> you know, Stephanie and I are still married. Um, and, you know, we made it through. And that is a testimony if you know, well, certainly if you know me, that's <laughs> a testimony to God's grace. Um, anyway, grace elevates our nature. Grace empowers us. It's God's life in us that allows us to do more than we think we can do. And we have to trust that that grace is available, certainly inside our marriage, certainly at Mass, certainly in the confessional, certainly in baptism, all those, all seven sacraments. There they are. There it is. Trust that. We know it's there. So anyway, all that being said, to lay the groundwork for the parents' mandate. So we are, as parents, are meant to cooperate with God in forming our children's consciences, consciences with the truth. That's We're meant to do that. We need to teach them to listen for and to hear God's voice deep within. Just, just last night or the night before, I was telling a story of, that to my son about a time that my, um, my uncle, my, my mother had been diagnosed with cancer. My grandmother, his mother, and my mother's mother had recently died, and he was really struggling and we couldn't get him to come up to the lake. He was by himself in a house that he had lived with my grandmother. And, it, and, and I could tell things were bad. We were inviting him up. He wasn't showing, inviting him, wasn't showing up. We were on vacation. He wasn't very far. He normally would come up. And so at the end of that, I was getting dressed to drive back to College Station to work. And I remember hearing the voice inside that was saying, go tell him that God loves him. And it was something I heard, not, not, not a booming voice, but it was deep within, and I recognized it not as myself. Go tell him God loves him. And, I, and it was the whole way, and I pushed it down because I had work to do to go back. And I kept saying, well, I'll see him in two weeks because my brother's getting married, and he'll be there. Well, as I found out, went home two nights later. I got a phone call, and he had died in his house. Um, sometime after that day. And I've told my kids, I said, that's haunted me forever. In fact, I mean, I was close to my uncle, but I probably cried more about him than I cried about my mother because I recognized in looking at that that I was being asked to go do something, and I said no. And I was telling this story to my son. He said, well, I've heard that story before. He goes, that's why I listen <laughs> to that voice now because I'm afraid of something like that happening. Well, that's exactly one of the things that we need to hear, that conscience inside, that voice inside where God is deep within that will guide us and will call us to do things. I mean, Dennis, I mean, I, you heard the voice about starting the radio station, right? I mean, that's, that's something that, that I know I've heard that story. We're going to start a radio station. <laughs> like, yeah, it know? was a voice that I—, I didn't know what the heck to do with it, but I knew that if I didn't, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't feel like there was a choice, and so it was something we stepped forward in faith and excitement. But it was also a little bit of fear, you know. Right, and I think, but I think we have to. Uh, the, well, first off, I mean, like I said, I I walked away because I was too busy. That's mm -hmm. that that that's not <laughs> not the way you respond to that. I should have known, 
that that's what it was. And I, you don't always have another two weeks. You don't always have, Good point. I mean, those type of things. So you, so, so trying to teach your children by telling stories like that, I'm sure plenty of you out there have had moments where you felt like God was telling you to do something and certainly you did it, or maybe you said no, but to communicate with your kids that you need to be listening for that, that still small voice that's way down there. And then when you recognize it, you need to act upon it. You know, you need to make a move and great things happen. And then sad things happen. Well, you know, when I, I think there've been a few other times when I've said yes to that voice, but, <laughs> but that one sticks out to me and haunts me forever. I mean, I've, you know, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that you don't have to take a giant leap forward, even yeah. it, just a small step forward. Absolutely. And that's a yes. And so in take giving that yes to God, then he'll show you where to go next. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I had no clue, you know, what to do next. It just was, we're going to do this was that yes. And then one door after another will open, but we've had many episodes of following what I thought was that voice. Me too. Yep. And it was nothing but a brick wall after brick wall that we would just slam into and, and I would tell God, I thought you wanted me to do this, you know? So it's, but it's a, it's an experiment of always being willing to listen. God, God will always honor. I right. mean, if you, if you're prayerfully trying to do something and you hear that voice, it could be yours. I mean, the reality is it could be yours. It could be somebody else's. It could be lots of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you hear it, but, 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 but God will honor a step mm -hmm. forward if you say, I think this is what you want me to do, and therefore I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a step towards doing that because you're asking me. And if it's not you, then stop it, you know, I mean, or block it or let me know that it isn't. Right. But I'm taking a step of obedience towards mm -hmm. the direction that I think you're calling me. And and sometimes you can say no like I did. And, and, um, and I think that to raise our kids in a way that that understands that as we talk through these different different ways that we're meant to that we're mandated that we're responsible for forming our children at the center of that mm -hmm. is the relationship that you're saying there's a relationship between you and God that's directly to you. My son came in and was asking a question and and, and I've heard this said before but I don't remember exactly what he was asking, but I remember that the answer was, hey, Colby, there, there, God doesn't have any grandchildren. <laughs> I mean, you're a child of God, so you have a relationship with him as father, not, not through me mm -hmm. as your parent. I'm involved in that, but ultimately there's a relationship that he's calling you to that is between you and him alone. And um, with the help of everything that the church provides and all that. But I think it's important to make sure we raise our kids to understand that we've made mistakes. We thought we've been called, but then there were these other opportunities and times when we did take that step. And then God started to open up all these doors and things happened that you can't really explain other than God doing that. And that they can live because if you if you look at life that way, if you raise your children that way, if if you are in you know acting that way, life is far from boring <laughs> because you can always right. I mean, it, it it can scare the heck out of you sometimes, but you can also have these moments of amazement when you just step back and go, oh my gosh, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no other explanation other than God was worried about what I was doing was you know was honoring what my my step forward was that he did something that there's no explanation other than god did that it wasn't a you know it wasn't that i created a situation or i did it it was wow i mean i responded and god responded even bigger right i mean and so that's probably the framework of the mandate, meaning that, that that's where we're headed. That's where you want your children to know. You want them, you know, Stephanie from for years, you know, like when, when they would do something, maybe get in trouble or whatever, would, would always say, did you have a moment before that, like where deep down inside you knew I shouldn't do this? You know, and the kids will say, yeah. I said, okay, 
that listen to that yep. that that <laughs> so you're always connecting the dot that there's something inside of you there is a person inside you there's a holy spirit living inside of you that is trying to direct you in in your life and and that we've got to help them recognize that voice well first off we've got to tell them that there there is a voice to recognize <laughs> and then help them recognize it sometimes it's by failing and then just pointing out was there a moment that said I shouldn't do this? And they and often they'll say, "Yeah, I, I mean, listen to that one next time." <laughs> it's funny the times that God is spoken through uh, Darby or I to the kids, right? But they don't listen, <laughs> right? Because we're mom and dad, and it's funny because then they'll they'll discover that on their own, and you know, so. And, and that's and that's another thing. I just this is another piece of the puzzle, is. Somebody came up, you know, this whole idea that somehow religion, you know, I want Jesus without religion. Well, religion just, you know, it's the taking care of widows. I mean, it's something that's concretely done, right, in response Mm -hmm. to a relationship that you have with God. Well, as human beings, there's no disconnect between that. So we also got to teach them that, okay, we're your mom and dad. God himself has placed you in our family, with us being charged with trying to direct you, you know, to help you. We're, are, we're at your service. And sometimes being at your service means us saying no or us saying you have to or what, whatever it is. And when they don't listen because of your parents, and then when they come back recognizing, because often they do, mm-hmm. or, or the, a situation occurs, that that's this is why we told you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not I told you so, but this is right. why we told you. Point back to the fact that that's the way God works. God works through people, and he works through people that he puts in authority over you. Mm-hmm. And if they accept that, and that's what parents are meant to do, we're at your service. You know, even though we're, we're over you, we're not lording over you. We're under you in terms of trying to serve you to help you avoid these pitfalls, you know, move forward to accomplishing something that we think maybe God has for you. You know, see, recognizing your gifts and talents and saying, hey, you really need to work on that. I mean, that's what our job is, that that's the way God works. So a boss could be that person. A um, priest could be that person. A, a friend could be that person. As long as you recognize, okay, are they in authority over me? Obviously, the most important people on this planet are probably your mom and dad with regard to your family in terms of directing you and or the priest's you know, that that's over you, but certainly day to day, we're here to serve you. So that's where it has to come down. And that's why you have to correct sometimes that when you're saying you can't do this or you should do that, 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 that it's for your good. It's not, it's not because we're just trying to show that we're the boss, you know? Um, And that's what often in this world, anybody in authority is put in the position. Well, they're just, they're just trying to, you know, put their thumb down over you or say, you know, show that they're the boss. And some parents, I think, are that way. But but we can't be that way for Christian parents. We have to be firm in direction and, and that. But they have to, we have to make sure that they understand we're doing it for them and out of love for them. And sometimes love means you challenge them to do something that they may not want to do. Right. Yeah. Or a Christian boss for that matter. Or a Christian boss, for that matter, and <laughs> yeah. and and so, you know, those things are all important to recognize that we and and I, I've brought this up before, but um, Saint Francis de Sales wrote a book on discernment, and it's a really short book. I think it's called just on discernment, but I, I'm not certain of that. But he talks about authority and. He, he talks about the fact that if somebody's over you, and as long as they're not telling you to do something that's contrary to the law, the obedience to that is actually obedience to God, and you know, in terms of doing it, and that you don't have to judge the holiness of the person over you. If they're telling you to do something, that's a reasonable thing to request of me. I may not like it, but I need to do it. I'm not, nothing illegal, nothing improper, but just flat out, this is what I want to do. I don't think that's the right thing. To call somebody out on, well, you're not holy enough, or I shouldn't follow you because you're not holy enough. St. Francis de Sales said, look at the holy family, okay? Mm -hmm. The least holy person 
in that family was Joseph. I mean, it's gradations, but but the least holy person, and yet Mary and Jesus, uh, you know, the most holy person was holiness himself, who was yeah. Jesus. He submitted himself to two people that effectively he created. He didn't say, well, you're not holy enough to do that. And Mary, who received from the um, from St. Gabriel this call, you know, when when Joseph starts getting dreams saying, hey, we need, you need to take Mary and the child and go to Egypt, she doesn't go, hey, wait a second. I mean, I've already talked to the angel, <laughs> you know, if they wanted me to go, he, she, the angel would come back to me, you know, kind of this prideful thing. She instead said, you know, that's my husband. My husband says I need to go. And so she followed. And he talks about the fact that in that you can learn from that when somebody's in authority, if they're asking you to do something, everything being equal, all, you know, all things are right. Even if it's something you don't understand that even following that is a, proper response and can be seen as a way, again, we as Catholics, we as Christians take the incarnation for real and that God is directing all these things, including who's your boss and who's your um, parents and who are your brothers and who do you, you know, who's your coach, all those type of things. So uh, I think that that's another, that's a worldview that's lost at some point because we start saying, well, you know, he's not smart enough. He's not whatever. Well, he's, your boss. So he's not asking you to do anything illegal, improper. He's asking you something you don't like, and you may not think he's smart enough to make that decision, but the appropriate Catholic response is, yes, sir, and go do it. <laughs> um, that's an oversimplified version, but I always like to talk about St. Francis de Sales. That chapter always struck me that even the Blessed Mother and even Jesus himself submitted to the authority of Joseph earlier on, and he was the least holy of all yeah. those people. Easy chapter to read, very difficult to put into exactly. practice in it real is. life. It's absolutely hard to put in practice. But again, all these things are things that we're, we're teaching. So anyway, I've, um, I've got to go through through these. So the mandate in general is we're trying to say that they're we're trying to teach our children that God has something, ha- wants a relationship with them specifically, that mm-hmm. they're, that he's trying to communicate to them through us as parents, through circumstances that occur. And sometimes in that still small voice down deep that we got to help them recognize by pointing them to it, you know, when they make a mistake or whatever to say, okay, that voice, that's the voice, the voice that told you that what what was right (laughs) and you ignored, that's the voice. All right. And, and teach them that. So anyway, um, I think that's the central, that's the goal we're shooting for. So how do we do that? Okay, there's, there are, real quickly, uh, we pray, we do it by example. So prayer, example, we teach, um, we protect, and we provide, and then we evangelize. I wish there was a nice, real <laughs> yeah. word for that. I haven't come up with it yet, still. But, um, but anyway... So pray, obviously, we have to have God's help and his grace to answer this mandate. We have to pray for the strength, the wisdom, the courage to recognize, okay, what do you want me to do in terms of helping form my child? You know, help me recognize the gifts and talents that you've given them and then help foster leading in that way. But we've got to pray as a couple and as a father and as a mother individually for that. So, um we need to pray for our children and pray with your children and pray for them in front of them, you know, so that you can hear that and then ask them for the prayers that they're asking for. So you can begin to recognize those things. And I think that's really important. So pray, um, example. So the, the invisible truth of that is God makes himself and his power visible through us. And here's a quote from catechism. Parents, this is catechism 22-23. Parents have a grave responsibility to give good example to their children. By knowing how to acknowledge their own failings to their children, parents will be better able to guide and correct them. I'm telling you right now, if you never learn anything, I promise you this is one of the most impactful things. When you make a mistake as a parent, you 
misjudged your kids or or over corrected them or whatever, when you recognize I I, I made a mistake on that one. <laughs> I mean, I know I've done that multiple times. Or even if I just make a mistake, but when you make one specifically with them, if you'll acknowledge that to them, hey, you know what? I totally misread that. I overreacted in response and I asked for your forgiveness. You will be better able to guide and correct them. And what I found is, is if you're willing to do that, they are more quickly able to turn around when they make a mistake because you've been that example to them to say, dad, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, you know, or mom, I, I, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? If you model that in specific circumstances where you actually have done something that ask, that needs asking for forgiveness, that's what the catechism says. In my experience, that's, that does have an impact on your children. If you're always right, even when you're wrong, and you never acknowledge that, then you'll have a hard time getting that from your kids because that's what you've done. So you can make mistakes as a parent and acknowledge that to your children. They'll stop listening to you too. If, if you if you feel like you're always right, right? Yeah, they'll just yeah, it could be because they know they know down deep, <laughs> right? They <laughs> right know and the wrong, truth. you know. And so yeah, so admitting it, humbling ourselves, humbling is, yourself in front of them, let them see that it, it helps them be able to do it when they need to do that, mm -hmm. you know. And so anyway, so we pray, we provide example, we teach. The invisible truth here is that God is the great teacher of man of His children. And as parents, we're called to be teachers of our children, just like God is. And so, again, from the Catechism, this is 2221, the role of parents in education is of such importance that it is almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute. The right and duty of parents to educate their children are primordial and inalienable. Pretty strong words, but, but it points to the fact that we are meant to be their teachers, in the faith, in life, and how to deal with things, we are meant to be their teachers. Do not abdicate their responsibility. Um, does it take a lot of work? Yes. It's unbelievably rewarding in terms of the investment and the return on that investment if you will invest in that. You'll have failures. There'll be times when you teach and they don't listen. I mean, all that type of stuff. But if you keep trusting that that's something that God's given you to handle and you're going to use his grace to do it through prayer and then take it seriously and go do it. Do uh, you have anything on that? Nope. Um, this is another one. This was a reading, I guess, Friday, Friday maybe, or th this weekend, and it's it's central to what we said. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Go back and read that. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them God's laws diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. There's never a time <laughs> that, that we should not at least have our eyes open to, okay, what is God trying to teach me, and what is he trying to teach our kids? And then being transparent about, I failed this time, telling stories, you know, in, including them in that. Or when you see something, what do you think it's like to have, I mean, just allow the circumstances that come our way to be opportunities with the help of the Holy Spirit to be always teaching, this is what God has done with that. I was just talking to my daughter last night about, um, she's a teacher, very concerned about what's going to happen with COVID. Are they going to go back and do back to what they did? Or is it not going to be like a regular football season? All these different things that they're, she's worried about. And I, and I, and I, you know, 25 years old, my conversation was, listen, things are getting better, but, but struggles and things not working out the way we want or that. I mean, look at, and you know, I said, look at um, the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, he asks, if it's possible, take this away from me, but not my will, will your will be done. That's why I said, number one, you got to look at the cross and recognize that from that suffering that we're allowed to participate in comes all goodness. So here's an act of faith. I'm not saying 
It's still a cross, still hurts, still blood, still pain, still screams, still everything bad. I'm not diminishing that. All we know as Christians is if we will embrace it because God's in control ultimately, that he will always bring a greater good out on the other end. I don't know when. I don't know what that's going to look like. Oftentimes it's complete surprise. But that's part of the wonder of being a Christian is that in and through suffering, somehow God brings good out of it. And I'm like, so look, I'm not telling you you shouldn't be concerned. I'm just telling you, trust him, do the best you can. And what and whatever happens, embrace it as best you can, take up the cross, and know that someday this Good Friday is going to turn into an Easter Sunday. That's talking to a 25-year-old. And she's like, you know, after, because she was concerned, and she just said, Dad, you're right. And I said, I am right, because that is what we believe. Our God came into this world to show us that suffering occurs even to good people, even undeservedly, and that somehow in embracing it, God can transform it into something great. So the greatest good ever, our ability to go to heaven, flowed from the greatest evil, us killing God (laughs) unjustly. And so, you know, that's 25 years. She's heard that before, maybe not in those words and certainly not in these circumstances. But that's the kind of conversation we have to have when we see suffering, you know, when we see when we go through it and when we see others. If you're not teaching it or at least addressing it when others are suffering and you're not, it's very hard to bring up when you're suffering. (laughs) So it needs to be something that's kind of looked at as an opportunity when you see that. And, and that's part of teaching. So, um, someday when you're suffering, your kids will remind you that be there and help you. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I always tell the story of one of, of, uh, I haven't told it in a while, but, but I remember for I was always amazed. John Paul II, in in, in talking about um, on the meaning of Christian suffering, he talks about people who are suffering, showing mercy to people by allowing those people to serve them. Mm-hmm. That they have dignity and the ability to deny, say, "I don't need your help," and that that's not showing mercy. So we should see it as an act of mercy when somebody says, "Okay, I'll let you help me." Mm-hmm. Well, you know. When I was talking about that to different people, I obviously said it a bunch <laughs> to different people. When I was going through some suffering and somebody offered to help and I said, I don't need your help, the first things out of his words were, hey, I've heard you say, <laughs> and sometimes you need that. Busted. And he called me on it, and I was like, he said, is, is, that, a bunch of, is that a bunch of bull or, yeah. or is that, do you believe that? And I said, I believe it. He goes, so are you going to be merciful to me or not? And the answer was, I'll be merciful. Thank you very much. Yeah. So sometimes you want to plant that seed so that that seed bears fruit back and pointing back sure. at you when you maybe don't want to follow yeah. what you know to be true. So anyway, um, one of the things in teaching is is use, I always say, you know, use biblical terms. You know, that's why we say, we don't say just, I'm sorry. We'll always say, you should say, please forgive me. You know, that, that, that that's something. Um, learn the words, you know, um, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, you know. Um, do not, Proverbs 20.22, 20, do not repay evil with evil. Wait for the Lord and he will help you. Have these verses kind of under, you know, under your belt or at least know where to go find them. Uh, a fool gives full vent of his anger, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So, you know, to learn, I need to learn that one. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, have these verses and, and, and ghosts in terms of teaching. So have biblical verses, biblical terms, use them. Um, there's also two ways to teach. Or, I mean, I, you know, you have prohibitive ways. You set limits. You say you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's part of the funnel, which when I get Stephanie, we'll do the funnel. But you're, you're, you, there's the warnings and restrictions. Hey, you know, this is going to happen. You don't want to respond this way. Like we're going to be in the grocery store. You know, and you're going to see candy and you're going to want the candy. We can't get candy today. So, you know, you're giving them heads up. You're teaching them that way about the limits that are coming. Consequences, you know, we could have a whole show on consequences. I mean, that's always a struggle. There's natural consequences and then there's structured consequences that you do. And we got to work through that. And then there's po- positive formation, which is 
promoting freedom. So you've got the restrictions, but then you promote freedom. And particularly as they get older, you know, I've mentioned this before, but Pope John Paul II said, you know, freedom is to be doing what you wish when you're doing what you must. That's true freedom. So it has something with their stuff that we're called to do. So we have to teach them, you know, positive. There are things that you must do because you're in this family, because you're a brother, because you were a student, because you're a husband, because you're a father. And to teach them that that's part of embrace those things that you have to do, even if they're things you don't like to do, and recognize I'm going to use my freedom to do that um, there. And then, you know, uh, content, there's a few things that I think are, you know, important that I mentioned here. But teach them to pray and to discern. Help them with that. What do you think God's calling you to? Pray with them about it. Watch. Look at your look at their talents and gifts and and sit down with them. That's an ongoing thing. Um, teach them that they're part of a bigger team and that they you know that they're as a Christian there's a there's a role. They're unique and irreplaceable. They're they are have something to do that God wants them to do that only they can do. He's given them, put them here, you know, uh, on this planet at this time with the gifts and talents that they have to do something that he, they alone can do. And that's why God made them those type of things. So you want to give them those. So we're going to pray. We're going to be an example. We're going to teach, and then we're going to protect So God watches over the invisible realities. God watches over us and he protects us. So we must do the same for our children, especially we must guard our children's hearts. And so pay attention to what's going on, particularly nowadays with these phones and stuff. I mean, and and television and how easy it is to access. Use those terms. We're trying to, you need to guard your heart. You know, you need to protect yourself from what you see, what situations you put yourself in and, and teach them that we're going to try to guard it for them, but as we're guarding it for them, at some point they're going to have to guard it themselves. So simple thing, movie, teach them to, you know, don't just go see a movie because everybody's going to see it. You know, I mean, do some research, look at it and, and, you know, look it up on, um, plugged in or on uh, Steve Ray Danis is and, and, and read, read through what's going on and, and see what difficult materials there and, Try to avoid those things, but, you know, be, recognize that you have to guard your heart. We have to do that as well. So provide the invisible truth again. God provides us with everything that we need material and spiritually. We, too, must provide for our children's uh, physical and spiritual needs. The church is very strong. You know, there's lots of people who say, well, you know, I'm, I'm away providing for my family. And what they mean is, they're making money in order for people can feed them. And I mean, so they have food on the table and a house over their head. And that is extraordinarily admirable and have to do that. But they equally say, which I think sometimes the ball gets dropped. We have, we have a responsibility for their spiritual needs as well. And we have that mandate. Um, Obviously um, we have to evangelize, um, Invisible truth. Jesus was not just a man. He is the word of God. And we must speak this word to our children um, through the grace of the sacrament. So this is reading from catechism 2225 through the grace of the of the sacrament of marriage. Parents receive the responsibility and privilege of evangelizing their children. Parents should initiate their children at an early age into the mysteries of the faith of which they are first heralds for their children. They should associate them from their tenderest years with the life of the church. And that's why I say don't you can always talk about angels and they're really there. They they need to understand there's an invisible reality which actually is more real and more lasting than anything tangible is. And so from the very beginning you can teach them as they're young when the host is raised, you know, there's Jesus, even when there's no way they could really understand what you're saying, but to point them there. Um, those are all things. Have them kiss a cross, you know, kiss a cross on the rosary, you know, kiss his feet. Or th- th- just there's so many things that we can be doing from the early on of, of their lives mm-hmm. 
that would get there. So anyway, we have to come back and do this. Uh, evangelize was the last one, but again, let me recap. So the, the things we're meant to do as a mandate, pray, example, teach, protect, provide, and evangelize. Maybe someday I'll come up with a good acronym. There's too many P's and E's. There's too many P's I'm and E's. I'm thinking about it. There's yeah. just no way. <laughs> well, maybe I need to change them. But but those are the things from the glean from the catechism and that we're, we need to do. So make sure that we're at least have those on our radar, that mm. we should be praying all the time. We should be praying all the time for our children. You know, we should strive to set a good example, that we should be always teaching, just like Deuteronomy says, that wherever we go, be looking for those opportunities in their lives and around us to teach the Christian view, protect them, make sure that they're protected from evil, make sure that you are providing for them, not just, you know, the stuff that they need, which they do, but also for their spiritual needs. And then evangelize, tell them the truth about who Jesus is from a very early age. And so anyway, um, we'll do... Let's see. I think I think I'm gonna go back and do Proverbs 22, uh, if I can get it here. Proverbs 22, six, and th- this just to, as a parent mandate: train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22, six. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Listen, people. I'm just telling you. Be encouraged. Take one bite of this and apply it, and amazing things will happen. You know, remember that we need to pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And I promise you, you will, every time. God bless you guys. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye. Bye.